welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good. Uh, let's, uh, let's open with the uh, serenity prayer. Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Amen. Uh, well, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Dave, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. And um, I've been sexually sober by the grace of God in this program and all of you people since August 1st, 1985, something for which I am uh, frequently but never sufficiently grateful for. Um, you know, the topic today is dating. And, uh, you know, it's one that I've talked about at a number of international conferences. and and um, you know, when I was asked to do this, you know, it's it's one that I think that uh, a lot of people uh, are curious about, and uh, and I had some very, um, I feel very blessed uh, about my recovery and how all that worked out for me. So let me get started. Um, you know, as I said, I started in 1985, and and when I came into the program, I was separated. Uh, my wife had moved out a couple of months uh, before my first meeting, and uh, I belonged to a denomination at the time that did not believe in uh, uh, divorce and remarriage. And so uh, when I looked at the sobriety definition as a single guy at the age of 33, um, you know, my first thought was I'm going to have to remain celibate the rest of my life. And, uh, and fortunately, early, early on, I heard, heard the, uh, the concept of uh, one day at a time. And uh, um, I realized that um, that was, the, you know, whether I would ever have sex again was not the important thing. I needed to get sober one day at a time. And uh, by the grace of God, I did. Um, I, uh, I spent the, uh, the next couple of months uh, after that first meeting, um, just kind of getting grounded. Uh, and at the time I was in Rochester, New York, and, uh, uh, we continued to meet. We had one meeting a week. Uh, you know, we didn't have cell phones. Uh, we didn't have the internet back then. And so, uh, uh, it, it was really, um, you know, what worked for me, uh, from the very earliest days was, you know, um, connecting with God in prayer and, and asking God to take away those thoughts. And uh, one day at a time, it worked. Uh, uh, about four months later, I moved to Detroit and uh, uh, with because of my job and, and left my, um, I was separated, legally separated. And so my, my wife was back in New York. I moved to Detroit. There were no essay meetings uh, at that time in 1986. And uh, so sobriety was a um, was at the forefront, but I was uh, in a, another S fellowship for a while uh, and, and maintaining my sobriety in SA. And and uh, um, finally decided that um, one of the things I needed to do was start some meetings or start a meeting, and and that led to a, another one. And uh, so. Yeah, you know, for the first year or so, it was how do I stay sober one day at a time. Um, by May of 1986, uh, I was determined to try to reconnect with my 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 wife, and and so I flew back to New York. I bought flowers. Um, up until that time, she wouldn't tell me where she lived, but in this case, I said I'm coming. You know, I want to. Uh, I want for us, I, I have things that I need to tell you about myself and what I've learned about myself. I was going to 
talk about my recovery. And, and, um, so I showed up at her place with flowers. We went out to uh, lunch and, um, I found out that she was engaged and, uh, um, you know, we were still married. Uh, she was engaged to somebody and, uh, and they were looking at a house. And, um, so I flew back to Detroit and said that, that doesn't look like that's going to work. And, uh, uh, Later that year, uh, made plans to start um, uh, the first SA meetings in Detroit. And um, by January of 1987, that happened. And um, it just so happened we were meeting in a place called CAPS, uh, C-A-P-S. I didn't know what it stood for at the time, but um, we started our meeting in the first week of January. And and within a couple of weeks, we were averaging more than a dozen people. Uh, CAPS was funneling people to, uh, to our fellowship. And uh, I finally asked one of the people who came, you know, what does this stand for? And it stood for Children of Alcoholic Parents. And um, turns out I was one of those. And, uh, my, you know, my father had an issue with alcohol. I think he was also uh, had addiction with sex and uh food and nicotine and um and so i identified with what these people were talking about and and um it was about that time that my my spouse contacted me and uh was having difficulties with her new fiance even though we were still married and uh was asking me for advice of how to deal with this situation. And, uh, you know, I'm not the most sane guy in the world, but um, it occurred to me that giving my spouse marital advice was not a place that I needed to be. And, and uh, so I, uh, I had one of those epiphanies and, and the, the epiphany was, what is it about me that causes me to be in relationships like this? Because I had the awareness at that point that this was exactly like all the relationships I'd ever had, that um, I, w- I was a very dependent person. Um, I would latch on to somebody. They would eventually reject me. Um, and, and then sometime later, they would ask for me to come back, and I would allow them to. And then they would reject me again and, and walk away. And, and finally, you know, that awareness, you know, I was a uh, about a year and a half sober at that point in time, uh, that awareness hit me. You know, what is it about me that causes me to keep having these relationships? And so I got into some counseling about that, and which turned out to be a, a real godsend for me. And, you know, um, I'm not going to talk a lot about that, except that I think many of us come in uh, to this fellowship with, um, you know, a lot of baggage from our family of origin. And, uh, you know, getting that sorted out and helping me understand, you know, why I was so dependent, why I thought I needed to have a relationship, um, was just gave me a lot of insight. And uh, later that year, in, in 80, 87, um, my my wife, even though she she called me and said, you know, I, I really think we ought to get back together, but I'm going to go ahead and file these divorce papers anyway. And uh, so at the end of August of 1987, she uh, filed for divorce and we were divorced. And, and at that point in time, I had the clarity. I was two years sober at that point. I had the clarity to say, I have no business being in a relationship at this point in my life. And uh, uh, I've, I've still got a lot of work to do. Um, the next year, I moved to Nashville. That's where I live now. I, I live outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, when I moved to Nashville in 1988, uh, there were two SA meetings here, and uh, but it was there that I, you know, met and and connected with my first sponsor, and uh, um, got to work working the steps. Uh, yeah, I I had remained sober um, for by the time I asked him to be my sponsor, I was a little over four years sober, and by working steps one, two, and three. Um, but obviously, I had a lot of work to do on character defects, and uh, you know, we got to work on that. And uh, 
Um, so I worked the, the, the 12 steps pretty quickly after that. And uh, by the time uh, early 1990 rolled around, um, we were having our first conference here in Nashville. And um, uh, I invited my then ex-wife to come. And uh, um, the idea was she was still single. Uh, she had broken up with this guy. She was still single. I was still single. I hadn't had a date yet. Um, I was still working you know, my program. I felt like I really needed to complete the 12 steps before I even thought about dating. And um, I invited her to the conference and she came and uh, I was able to make my ninth step amends to her and tell her about my recovery. And uh, it was a, it was a wonderful moment for me. She immediately said, I don't think you have a problem. Um, I don't think that is a problem. And, um, you know, thank you for telling me, but, um, that, that, you know, I, I really don't think that you're that kind of person. And I, I let that go. And, uh, you know, I had some hope that, that perhaps she would see that, uh, recovery might be for her. Um, but that didn't turn out to be the case. And, uh, Shortly thereafter, um, you know, my sponsor indicated that maybe it was okay for me to think about dating, and uh, an opportunity came up. And in probably a, a month or so after the conference, you know, I I, I went out for the first time. I, I have to say, back in when I was still in Detroit, I heard a uh, a speaker at a codependency conference talk about relationships and recovery, and it changed my life. And uh, I'm just going to share a couple of tidbits of the things that I heard there. And uh, one of them was that, you know, relationships handle uh, happen in stages. And um, they're on a continuum. And at one end of the continuum is uh, in relationships, it's called companionship. And the definition of companionship is that the um, the, the event that you're doing, whatever you're doing is more important than the person that, that you're doing it with. Um, uh, when, when emotional intimacy is established, um, that's the next step in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, relationship it's called friendship. And over time, you know, the person becomes more important than what you do together. And, um, and it's not until you've gone through companionship and friendship um, that touches comes into the equation and, and touch is only appropriate when, when we're talking about the concept of love. This, this was like um, Einstein's theory of relativity to me. Um, you know, I, when I, my dating uh, life had been, you know, how quickly can I become um, physical with a person uh, at, at whatever level, you know, affectionate or whatever, uh, not necessarily sexual immediately, but the physical contact was very important and it happened always very early in the relationship. So hearing these concepts, uh, the other one, uh, that he, he really made a point of is that you don't talk about your recovery until at least 10 dates. Um, and, and that sounded to me like a, a, a very good boundary that, uh, you know, if, if you're doing something with a person and the event is more, you're inviting somebody along to do something that you like to do, you know, talking about your recovery is really not appropriate. That's you're in companionship phase. So, uh, armed with those kinds of ideas, um, you know, that first, uh, first date went amazingly smoothly. You know, I, uh, um, I went out to dinner. We, we split the check. Um, I walked the person to their car. We met at the restaurant. So there wasn't any concern about me knowing where this person lived and, and uh, it was remarkably uh, stress-free. And uh, 
And, and actually, I, you know, I felt a lot of relief. There wasn't that, um, uh, that desire to take, which had, had always been my MO in relationships. And um, I said, oh, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to all this. Uh, you know, one of the other things I learned along the way is that um, men validate men. And women, you know, in terms of sexuality, um, men validate men and women validate women. And um, so, you know, through the fellowship, um, I learned how to be very emotional. You know, you know, we have almost instant intimacy in our meetings. Um, you know, we're telling our deepest, darkest secrets. And so, you know, I had made uh, a number of friends in the in the fellowship and we not only did we go to meetings together, but we also socialized. And so, you know, I was getting that validation of, you know, who I was as a man, you know, from these other recovering people, um, mostly men. But, you know, at, at the time in Nashville, uh, we had quite a few women as well. And, and uh, I learned how to do group activities where it was safe for all of us to do things, you know, uh, have dinner, um, take hikes. Uh, we did rafting trips. Um, you know, we had uh, potlucks. Uh, you know, we did things together uh, as a community, and that was really healthy to me to be around uh, the opposite sex without there being all this tension. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of how I got into dating. Um, I, I probably should should say that, uh, you know, I've been in, I've been sober since, uh, 1985. I, I spent my first 11 years in the program, uh, as a single man. And, um, I remarried in 1996 and have been married a little over 24 years now. And, uh, so, you know, I had been dating for, about four or five years when uh, uh, we had a, a convention, uh, uh, an international conference back in Rochester. And I had not been back there since I'd left um, in 1986. And um, so I flew to Rochester in January. Uh, Rochester in January, by the way, is a lovely place to be. There was probably three feet of snow on the ground and it was snowy when I arrived. And I contacted my ex-wife. Uh, we had been uh, divorced by that time by, for seven years. We'd been apart for nine years. And I called her for, and asked her if she wanted to go out for dinner um, the first night that I arrived in Rochester. And we had dinner and, and uh, you know, talked about our lives and how things had, had changed. And... Uh, um, she continued to deny my, you know, my recovery, uh, but I didn't press it. And, uh, we, we made arrangements to meet the, the second night and, and, or the second day. And, um, uh, she called the next day and said that she wasn't available. And, and I went home and, you know, I'd been dating for a number of years. My father had passed. I took a year off from dating while my dad was, uh, was, uh, dying of cancer and, and, uh, um, but I came home a little disappointed. Um, I thought, you know, perhaps something still might work out with her. Uh, I had really changed and, uh, um, but she had too. And, 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 you know, the bottom line is we had just taken different paths and, um, I was, I was sad. Um, but I also had this awareness that, uh, um, I have a good life. I had a good life. You know, I was, um, I was going on nine years sober. Um, I had wonderful friends, uh, mostly in this fellowship, men and women. And uh, I had a good church. I had a, a great job. And I said, you know, if this is the way it's supposed to be, um, I can do this. Uh, I have a good life. I, um, I'm not sure what my activity, I know I, I went out a few times uh, that year, 1994. Uh, but in December, uh, one of my friends in the program contacted me and he had arranged a, a dinner party right before Christmas. Um, and he had a, a single free female friend and um, 
and they each invited three single, uh, he invited three men, she invited three women. And so we had a dinner party uh, with eight of us uh, in December of 1984. And, and uh, um, that's, that's how I ended up meeting my, my, my spouse. Um, one of my friends in the program flirted with her all night long. I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And, uh, uh, but I, I liked her personality and, uh, um, I called him a, a few days later and said, um, are you going to follow up with this, with this woman? And, uh, uh, he said no. And, um, uh, so I contacted her and, and, um, uh, asked her out for dinner and, uh, you know, it we we really had a, a a great connection. Uh, you know, we talked about things that were uh, important to us. You know, my faith is important to uh, to me, and it was important to her. And um, we talked about our families and where we had come from, and and um, I just had a, a really good feeling about this. And uh, but I, you know, I observed my normal rules. Um, I never I. You know, in the early days, I would not make a uh, my next date on my current date. Uh, that's that was an old habit of mine. People always knew when I was dating uh, before recovery because I just fell off the face of the earth. I totally um, enmeshed with whoever I was dating with, and I dropped my friends. And uh, when I resurfaced, they knew that I had broken up or whatever. Um, and so, you know, one of my practices uh, while dating was to, at the end of the date, is to say thank you. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed myself. And I didn't make a promise that I would call them or uh, follow up with them. But that was a boundary that I had to hold for myself because that was really important to me um, not to fall into or, you know, redo the things that had not worked for me in the past. And um uh, so I, I continued to call her on a weekly basis. And, and uh, um, you know, we went through that companionship phase. We, uh, you know, we took walks. We, um, I, I had tickets to the symphony and, and, uh, and she's a, turns out she was a musician and uh, a vocalist and a choir director. And, and she loved music too. And, um, you know, more, the more time we spent together, you know, the more, you know, we found in common. And, uh, it, it, you know, uh, it, it just was, it was just really, really perfect. Um, my, uh, you know, my, my experience in, in that was, you know, in, in, in all my dating time, um, you know, the, the 10 dates, you know, when you space them out, takes a while to happen. And, uh, and prior to uh, you know meeting my my current spouse, uh, there was only one woman that I had gone out with enough that I began to start talking about my codependency recovery first because that was a lot more comfortable topic to talk about. Um, but um, my my wife was the only person that uh, after a number of months and you know a lot of time together and, and deep conversations. Uh, um, my wife called me one night and, and said, I, I need to ask you a question. And, and I said, what, you know, what's, what's that question? And she said, uh, why is it that you've never tried to touch me? And, uh, and I, and I said, well, you know, the simple answer is, um, you don't, know everything about me and uh and she said well what is there to know <laughs> and uh you know i've been talking to my sponsor about you know um you know things were were getting serious and you know it was probably time for for me to disclose and um yeah, there it was you know um there was there was the opportunity and um and we did it over the phone and, you know, I probably would have liked to have been able to see her body language and all that kind of stuff. But 
I said, well, um, there's a reason that I haven't touched you and, um, and here's why. And, uh, I told her in very simple terms about my, uh, sexual addiction. And, uh, and I, I did what my, you know, sponsor had suggested. I said, you know, you know, the next time I see you, I can give you a pamphlet or I can give you, a, uh, by then there was the internet. I said, I can give you a pamphlet or I, I can give you a website where you can go read the problem and the solution. And, uh, uh, you know, I didn't go into any detail about what my acting out behavior was, but, you know, very briefly, it was compulsive masturbation, use of pornography, uh, promiscuity, dependency relationships, voyeurism. Um, that, and I had, I had acted out from the time I was eight until I was uh, 33. So uh, a long history. And um, I said, but I will be willing to answer any questions that you might have about my addiction. And um, so she got the pamphlet. She said, do you have any more information? I said, well, I've got a, you know, there's a book about sexual addiction that I could recommend. And she said, I gave her the name of that book. Um, and uh, she called me back one night and says, said, well, I just have one question. And, and she said, I said, what, what is that? She said, did your uh, behavior involve children? And I said, no, fortunately it did not. And she said, that's, that's all I really need to know. I want to have a family. And um, that's something that's really important to me. And uh, at that point in time, I have to be honest, um, I wasn't sure that I ever wanted a family. My family was crazy. Um, but I, you know, that was a long way off talking about family at that point. And so I, um, you know, I, I, I shared my recovery. Uh, a really quick story is, you know, her, she grew up, her father is a pastor. Um, her mother had a real interest in healthy sexuality and, and was, giving talks to youth groups in, in a church setting. And um, she calls her daughter one night and says, I've just found this amazing book. It's, it's on the topic of se uh, sexual addiction. And, uh, you know, I think my grandfather was, was, a, was a sex addict. And, uh, and my wife-to-be said, oh, I've read that book. <laughs> And uh, her mother said, why did you read that book? And she said, well, I know somebody that has that issue. And I was curious about it. And uh, so, uh, you know, when the time came, um, not only did I tell my, you know, my wife-to-be, but, you know, I, I talked to my mother-in-law in depth about my recovery. And, and um, as she started going to churches to give talks, she started taking our essay pamphlets um, uh, and putting them out on the information table. So, I, you know, I, I really believe that uh, God steer me to this woman and to her family. And um, um, we ended up having two sons uh, that are now 21 and 20. I had my first child at age uh, 47. And so we got a, a late start. But, uh, you know, my life has been forever changed uh, for the better. And I just close by saying that uh, here are a couple of things. You know, people always ask me, how long should I wait? Um, you know, what do I need to do to, you know, start dating? Um, I, you know, I, I've counseled a lot of people in recovery uh, uh, through their dating experience. And my, in my personal experience, you know, in AA, they say, wait at least a year before you get in a relationship. And that kind of used to be the, the guideline that I would give to people um, out of my personal codependency when, it, when for me it took, you know, I didn't have my first date until I was about four and a half years sober. I got, I got married two days after my 11th sobriety birthday. Um, and I, all my wedding party were men and women in SA, by the way. So that was, that was very special. Um, I, you know, in my experience, I've never seen anybody be, be 
uh, successful that just waited a year. I think it takes several years. I think it. Um, we need to work all of our 12 steps. We need to do it with a sponsor. Um, it, for many of us, I think it's helpful to work on uh, your codependency issues before you try relationships, because I think a lot of us were probably codependent first before we were addicts. Um, you know, I counseled with clergy. Um, yeah, as I said, initially, I, you know, I, I belonged to a denomination that did not believe in, in remarriage. And, and, uh, you know, when I started dating my wife, I returned to the church, you know, the denomination of my, of my, of my childhood that she was a member of. And, um, but I wanted to be on the up and up at, particularly at church, uh, for the, for clergy to understand what my situation was. I, I didn't go into a lot of detail necessarily about my recovery, but, you know, um, I, I did indicate to them that, you know, I'm interested uh, in meeting people and uh, I think I'd like to have a family or at least be in a relationship. And uh, so that's how it kind of worked out for me. And uh, I think I'm at least uh, 25 minutes in and, and, uh, Generally, there are a lot of questions, so I think I'll stop right there. Thanks very much. Beautiful story, Dave. Thank you so, so much. Um, man, I really enjoyed that. I am very interested in the codependency part because that is just something that I have not been able to cross but suffer from horribly. Um, but I've been married for years, so maybe I can, after this whole conference, get a hold of you. I sure hope so. Very good. Yeah, sure. Oh, thank you so much. All right, uh, we have kind of a two-part question here. I'm single right now. <clears throat> what do I do when I see an attractive girl that I like? How do I differentiate it from lust? And then I'll ask the second question when you're done with that. Sure. You know, one of the things I learned, uh, um, you know, I, I said that my mother-in-law taught uh, uh, sex ed, basically, in a church setting. And, and uh, you know, as, as I began to share with her about my recovery, I said, you know, um, I'd like some information what, you know, and she had different information depending on the age group, but primarily she started in about sixth or seventh grade and went through high school. And I said, I need the basics. You know, what, are, what do you tell people? And, uh, one of the things I learned through that is that men in particular are attracted visually. Uh, women are more emotional, uh, identify more emotionally. So what, excuse me, one of the things that, uh, that um, I discovered is that, you know, noticing was not always a bad thing. Um, that's, that's the way uh, male of our species are wired. And, and so that I was able to give myself a little bit of a break with that. Um, I did have, you know, one of my rules was um, I'm not going to date a trigger. And uh, I, I can't define a trigger for you, but it, it was, you know, I can tell a trigger in a nanosecond. Um, I have radar, you know, the relationships that I got into, I, you know, was because my, I, my radar was on. And, uh, you know, I, I think my wife is beautiful, um, but she was not a trigger you know, when I, when I met her. Um, and you know, I, that that was what differentiated it for me that, um, you know, I had one, one experience where there was a, an extremely attractive woman at work and, and, uh, my secretary came to me and, and said that, boy, she's interested in you. And I, I toyed with, I have to admit, I toyed with the idea idea. And ultimately, you know, one of my other boundaries was I don't date people at work. So um, I almost made an exception in her case, but it ultimately it came down. She's a trigger. And uh, while she's beautiful, um, you know, that's just not going to be, you know, healthy for me. So that, that, that's, that's the, the answer to that. What's, what's the second part? Lastly, <clears throat> I went to some ACA meetings before. Do you recommend doing ACA currently with SA or should I finish SA 12 steps first before doing ACA? 
Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I, I think that the, the answer to that is yes. Um, you know, I'm, I attended, you know, after I was several years sober, after I had completed uh, individual therapy and group therapy, uh, I tried some meetings like that. And um, it was just too tempting. You know, um, I can talk, you know, I can be manipulative. Uh, being manipulative was part of my acting out. And, uh, you know, when I started attending these ACA meetings, um, you know, there were a lot of attractive women there. And, um, you know, by then I was maybe half, a, you know, six or seven years sober and, and um, I knew the language I'd had therapy. Um, and I decided it there were, there were just too many vulnerable, vulnerable people there. And, uh, and that was another kind of a, a rule of uh, a boundary of mine is, uh, you know, I'm not going to date people in, 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 uh, in recovery. So for me, uh, I, I didn't do it primarily because there were just too many vulnerable females there. And, uh, you know, if I could have done it in a setting w with men, I think maybe that would have been more attractive to me, but I chose, um, uh, to, to, to talk about my issues out, you know, my, my codependency issues, you know, with my friends in recovery. So. Thank you, Dave. Um, <clears throat> a couple of these questions came in early and I think you've covered them well, but I'll go ahead and ask in case you want to add anything. Um, okay. we always have the recording for people as well after. Hi, Dave, when and how would you tell a date you've seen for a few times that you're an essay and when do you know it's time to start dating? Those two questions. Yeah. yeah um, I'll answer the second question first. I, I think it's time, you know, it's time to start dating when uh, you and your sponsor uh, come to an agreement. And, and like I said, I think the prerequisite is having worked all of your 12 steps. Um, you know, I, I would encourage people to do service work uh, in the fellowship. Uh, as part of your, you know, as part of your recovery, uh, I'd, re I'd recommend that divorced people, um, while they're getting sober, uh, they focus on being good parents if they have children and, uh, um, uh, that that's a, that's a real appropriate way to be focused and not be thinking about dating and all the things that go, can go through your head when that's going on. And, uh, and like I said, the, the 10, 10 date rule worked out real well for me um, because um, that usually would take several months. And in most cases, uh, um, I was, you know, didn't get to that, that level of intimacy with that person to, to, to go further. So. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. I, I love that. <laughs> I don't date a trigger. That's just, I never heard that, but how powerful. I mean, that would be a, a good boundary. Um, thank you for all this wonderful meeting. I am 38, single with social phobia. I don't succeed to talk with women, especially my age for dating. Don't know how. I'm four years in SA and I managed to open up speaking with people, share myself. With women for dating, it doesn't work. I'm too hesitant, afraid. What do you suggest? Yeah, that's, uh, um, you know, for, for me, you know, thinking about, uh, yeah, and I've, I've had this conversation with a number of people over the years and, and, uh, um, I had to, I had to put myself out there, uh, which, you know, I'm, a, um, and, and what am, what am, what of my, uh, what of my, um, issues that I had to identify, you know, was to be attracted, you know, the hang around people that I felt like, you know, their outsides were better than my outsides and the kind of people that were popular and attracted people. And I just kind of hung around the, the periphery of that. And, uh, uh, what I learned in, in, in my recovery was, um, I'm, a, I'm an okay person and, and, uh, I can, 
I can take risks to, to put myself out there and, and, and try to meet people. And, and, you know, if you think about the concept of companionship, you know, you know, if you have a, have a hobby like uh, photography or, or, um, or s- snow skiing or whatever, you know, there are lots of single activities out there where people get together to do these activities. And, and that's a way to meet people. And in a, where you're focused, it's, it's, it's kind of, gen- you know, focused on companionship. You're doing an activity that you all like to do at, at, in a group. And uh, like I said, you know, I, I was fortunate here in Nashville that uh, there were a number of um, single professional people like myself uh, who were in recovery. And so, you know, I couldn't wait for Friday night to come because, you know, we had a 530 meeting in, in, in uh, downtown Nashville. And then we would all go out to dinner afterwards and have a table of, you know, eight to 10 people you know, four or five women, four or five men. And, um, some people would go from that to a movie. You know, I chose to stay away from movies for my first 15 years in recovery. They were just too powerful for me. Um, you know, the, the, the visual images, the sound was just something I wasn't comfortable with. Um, I didn't go to my first movie in recovery until, um, my wife and I's maybe fourth or fifth anniversary. Um, and we went out to see, see a movie and that was the first time I had stepped in a theater in 15 years. So those are some su- suggestions. I would say, you know, try to network. It's about networking. So. All right. Well, how long did you say would be appropriate to wait before telling someone you are dating about working a program? Well, yeah, t- t- to me, um, it's that uh, it's on that continuum, you know, have you developed some level of uh, emotional uh, relationship with this person? You know, is, you know, you've moved from companionship to friendship and where, you know, they're, they're sharing their life with you and, and uh, you're starting to feel comfortable about sharing more of your life with them. And uh, to me, that was, that was key. And, and that takes time. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are impatient about that. And, you know, uh, you know, my wife is 10 years younger than me. And, and um, uh, the other woman that I dated that I'd gotten close to um, talking about my recovery, um, they were very conscious of their, and she was younger than me as well. Uh, they were very conscious of their biological clocks and wanting to have families. And here I was in my early 40s at, at this point. And, um, um, and the, you know, the woman that, uh, that I first got close to had all the right, all the right ingredients, had the great resume. Um, um, but you know, it took me a while to kind of warm up to her and, and, um, at some point we had a, um, she had invited me to, to, to do something with her parents and, uh, I didn't pick pick up on how significant of a request that was. And I initially agreed to do it. And then kind of at the last minute, I, my, my dad had passed away. I was going through some stuff and I said, you know, I just can't do this. And a couple of weeks later, she called me up and said, you know, I think you're a really nice person, but I, I think I really need to move on. And, uh, and that kind of stung at the time, but you know, it, it, that was exactly the right thing for her to do at the time. And, uh, uh, while, you know, we had developed a, a friendship, it, uh, it, it was just appropriate. So, so that, you know, that, that would be my advice that, you know, it, it has to be mutual. Um, I, I would check my motives. I would also review that with my sponsor as well. And, um, yeah, I think the, 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 if, if we're doing it to, um, you know, my biggest, my biggest um, check would be, you know, am I doing this to uh, try to endear this person to me by being vulnerable? And, uh, and I think that's something you probably, it's, it's appropriate to check out with your sponsor. All right. Thank you, Dave. 
we have like 20 questions, 21. So as I go through, if okay. you ask any of the ones that are like it, I'm just going to skip past them. So I apologize. But several of them are the same questions. Um, how can I stay sober? I do everything, but I can't. I do participate in meetings. I work steps, but I have no idea why I can't succeed. Wow. You know, um, you know, hopefully you have a sponsor. You know, I, uh, you know, over the years, I, I think the, the, the biggest challenge for all of us is being honest with ourselves. And, uh, um, and, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, come into our fellowship and maybe have doubts about, you know, whether they really want to stop. And, uh, um, and I think it's okay to have, have those doubts. Um, I really do. Um, and it's important for us to put our doubts out there in our meetings and talk about, you know, you know, I hear you people say, you know, I can, I can live a celibate life and, and be okay. Um, but I'm not sure I can identify with that. And to me, um, I would, I would just challenge you to, to, um, um, ask yourself, you know, you know, what's, is there something that may be holding your back, you back that, uh, you haven't been willing to share and, um, and, and to be totally honest with yourself. You know, when I came in, I knew exactly what I had to stop doing. And, uh, I was, and I was convinced that I could not stop. And it, I knew that it would take, take something outside of myself, uh, to stop. And, you know, um, I'm one of the few, and my sponsor is another one. He's been sober a year longer than me. Um, from that very first meeting, I, I, I did not act out again. And, uh, um, and that's, you know, that, that's pretty rare that, you know, that doesn't happen very frequently. Um, but for me, you know, uh, I knew what I needed to stop doing. I wanted to stop doing it. And I would just, at, you know, be honest with yourself, be honest with your sponsor and talk about that. Dave, next question. Um, I am a codependent and I have went through life having dysfunctional relationships. I am an avoider. So I have been, been now in recovery, never really had love in my life, had relationships, but depended on heavily on them to be there and heal my poor inner child's hurts. How do I start a relationship even at this late stage in my life? Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, I had a conversation with somebody uh, in another continent uh, recently um, with their sponsor. And, uh, um, you know, I, I think the, for me, it made it much simpler when I just started focusing on, I went some company. I want some companionship and then I'm going to, I'm going to see what happens after that. And, and so, um, it took a lot of the pressure off, you know, um, si trying to size people up to see if they, you know, might end up being a spouse. You know, my, my sponsor had this joke that it, you, have you ever thought about giving a check sheet to these people, have them fill that out. Then you could review that to see if you want to go out with them. And, and, um, he said that tongue in cheek, but, um, when, you know, when I started thinking about doing things with other people, men, men or women, um, it was about, you know, I'd like some company to do whatever. And, and, and when I kept it simple like that and kept, kept my expectations of the other person very low and just focused on what I wanted to do and invited somebody along to do it, 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 it really opened my horizons and uh, allowed me to meet a lot of very interesting people. And, uh, and it, it, it really worked. So. Next question. How much detail is important to share or not share with a potential spouse? And when is the right time to share about addiction? Yeah. Again, you know, I think, uh, um, 
when they ask the question is, is always a good time. Um, if, if, you know, if you're minding certain boundaries like touch and, 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 uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, you know, you know what my sponsor had always advised me, um, you know, I, I think the pam- pamphlet, you know, with the problem and the solution is a, is a really good place to start. And, um, and then, you know, what I, what I offered to her, you know, when, when we had that conversation, she's the only person I shared my recovery with after, um, six years of dating, um, was if you have any questions, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do, do my best to answer those questions for you. And, you know, most people don't want to know the, the, the details and most people don't have an idea of what, what you and I have done. So, um, I would, you know, I would keep it simple and, uh, that pamphlet worked really well for me. And, uh, um, you know, if you're, if you've developed a relationship with a person, you're working with the sponsor, you've done your 12 steps, then, then I think, you know, it's appropriate to talk about your recovery. Um, a sober SA member has over four years of sobriety and did look at child pornography when acting out. How should he approach this issue issue when dating? Should he tell the woman he is dating? You know, um, you know, I think, again, I, I think if, if, if questions are asked for, then, then, uh, you know, my, my wife was very specific. In, in my case and asked me that specific question. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I answered her, but, you know, I, I don't think it's ever appropriate to, um, uh, like we say in our newcomers meetings, you know, we don't, we don't tell all to our families, um, because in, in many cases it would do harm to them or others. And, uh, so, you know, I think it's, um, you know, if I, recommend talking about my recovery, I would, I would, I would offer the problem and the solution and, you know, and there are other books out there. We know what they are. Um, I gave one of those to my, my spouse and, and, uh, um, she asked me, what level are you? And I told her, um, so that, you know, that those are ways that you might be able to work, work through that. But I think initially it's just important to, 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 have them have an idea what the problem is and what the solution is. All right. What about using digital resources like web pages and apps to find potential partners? Of course, these apps are from serious places like my church. Yeah. Yeah. um, You know, um, I've I've been working with some folks recently and, and, um, some people have had success with those. Uh, some of those, you know, became kind of a trigger for them. And so I, I think as long as you're doing it, you know, and, and talking with your sponsor about what's going on, I, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not necessarily against them. I tried a newspaper ad, uh, you know, when, when I was doing this, the, they weren't doing this on the internet. And I, I responded to a personal ad and, uh, did it one time and that was enough. So, um, but again, I think it's, it's all about being not keeping secrets, particularly from your sponsor, talking about the crazy thoughts that go on in your head, because they will, um, we're addicts, that's what we do. And, um, so I think, you know, as long as you're being honest about how, you know, reading about people or seeing pictures, if those aren't triggering you, then I think it's okay. So. How can I stay sober? I did 12, I work, did work 12 steps. I took part in meetings regularly. I read literature, but I have no idea why I can't stay sober. My problem is pornography and masturbation. I am 19 and unmarried. <laughs> wow. Well, again, I, you know, God bless you. I, I say, keep coming back. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, hopefully you have a sponsor. Um, hopefully you're talking about, you know, what's, what's going on. Um, you're identifying your, your triggers. Um, 
you know, it, it, it helps me every day when I get up, I, you know, make my contract with God, God, keep me sober today because I can't, I'm powerless over lust and all the things that trigger it. And then I go through my list. Um, and, um, you know, those are the things that have worked for me. And, uh, you know, I just encourage you to keep coming back. Um, and, you know, I, I've been around people that have, have come for years and, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden it clicks and I, you know, I, I don't always know, you know, why it clicks, when it clicks, but I, I know if, if we're, uh, continue to work this and, and, and be as thorough and honest with ourselves as we can possibly be, we can get sober. So God bless. I'm trying to read a couple left here cause we are right down to the wire. Um, yeah. Okay, that's more of a comment. So why why is it, or I should say, why is it bad to date people in recovery? Yeah, you know, for, for me, uh, you know, we have a joke here in the South. Um, you don't go to a family reunion looking for a date. Um, and uh, so I, I kind of, you know, I, I kind of think of my recovery community as as my family, my extended family. And for me, that uh, recovery had to be a place, you know, my recovery had to be a place where, you know, I wasn't going to try to cross any boundaries. I did a number, you know, I, I said I had symphony tickets. Um, I had three or four women friends in the program that liked music and, and we would often go out to dinner and, and go to the symphony, but it wasn't a date. You know, it was, it was spending time together with like my sister um, and, and I, you know, if, if you happen to meet somebody that's in some other recovery, um, I, I wouldn't necessarily, that, that was my boundary. It was the people in my immediate recovery family. Um, you know, I wasn't going to date people that I, I was in meetings with basically. So. Thank you. Um, here's one. Uh, do you believe as a sexaholic that dating should only be for the purpose of marriage or is it legitimate to date women or other people to learn how to relate healthily? Healthy. Yeah, I, I absolutely, you know, um, you know, to me, when I, when I gave myself permission to do companionship, um, my initial goal was, you know, maybe I'm going to make some friends out of this. Um, you know, I, I had, no female friends. You know, the, the only female friends I ever had were, were through people that I was dating. Um, um, and, and, and the people in my fellowship. So yeah, absolutely. I, I think, uh, that, 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 uh, and I think for me, that took, took a lot of the pressure off. If I, if I look for that companionship first and if it develops into a friendship, that's great. Dad, if you could take over, I have to, if you could finish up, I got to get our next speaker. Sure. Um, yeah. What are the stages of relationship that you mentioned? Is there a resource I can look up? Yeah, there, there used to be a, there used to be a tape out there that I would recommend to people, but basically think of a, a straight line and on the, on the far left-hand side is companionship. In the middle is friendship. And the, the simple definition for companionship is the event is more important than the person that you're doing it with. Friendship is when the person becomes more important than what you do. And after friendship, to the right of friendship, is when touch enters into the picture, that's, that's when it transitions from friendship to love. And that has to be a very conscious decision. And... Um, uh, and and I, I just have to say that that that's that really worked for me. I think we're at four fifty nine here. Or yeah, locally. I think so. Um, you know, there's uh, plenty more questions, and uh, you know, we didn't get to all of them. But uh, thanks, Dave, for uh, being here. And if you would like to uh, lead us out in a program prayer, uh, be appreciated. Sure. 
I'll uh, like to do the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. God bless everybody. Keep coming back. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.